0: All right, here we go. So it is good to be here from Colorado. I'm originally from Southern California. I got saved at a Calvary Chapel there in uh, Downey, California. So at the conference, uh, it was a tremendous privilege uh, to be on the same stage with my pastor. So my pastor was there, and uh, he's just finishing up 50 years of ministry. Uh, 50 years, five zero, and he's in the process of transitioning his church. To some younger leadership as he's moving on into different ministry. And so it was really good to be there with him. To think, to think that I walked into that church as lost as lost could be. I mean, if if it wasn't for the Lord at that time in my life, I obviously I wouldn't be here. Uh, I was addicted to alcohol and drugs and partying and hurting and harming my wife and in and out of jail Uh, and this last. Ditch effort. A buddy invites me to church, and to get saved there, discipled there for eight years, serving there in all kinds of different areas, and then to launch off and plant a church. So we've been in Colorado now 21 years, and we've been serving that whole area of Denver. We give God glory. You're right. Uh, we're in Aurora, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver, and the Lord has really allowed us to be used in great ways. So it's an honor just to think of, to be here with you today, what a privilege and an honor it is. It's not taken lightly. So one of the things that I do uh, when I guest teach is I take a video and I send it back to our church of of the church saying hi. Would you guys be willing to do that? Okay, if you're on the FBI wanted list, just put your head down like this. It's okay, but here's how it's going to work. I'm going to set the video up. I'm going to take a video on my phone here. And here's how it has to work. It has to work this way. I don't want to stop and start over again, Okay? So it has to work this way. Even if the camera's not on you, keep saying hello and yay, because otherwise it gets really quiet. And so just say hello and hey, however you, aloha, however you want to say hello to them. And then I'll just pan through all the way through. And then we'll start today, all right? So you ready? On three. So you guys start even on three over here, super loud, Uh, Super enthusiastic, say hello to the church in Colorado. So you ready? One, two, three. All right, back to normal. Uh, One other thing that I wanna let you know before we start is, um, it's a little, it's a little uncomfortable in some respects, but not, not in others. We brought a book table with us. I haven't always done this, but in the last year or so, especially with the pandemic, what happened in our church is uh, with, with cha- things changing, we had a lot of projects that were sitting around that needed to be finished, and we started knocking off projects that needed to be finished. This book and other books up there are all things that we've had working for years that finally in the pandemic, we have came to completion. But this book is something special uh, that... I bring, I bring around to help people that are going through difficulty. It, it, it started, the, the, the idea of this book started about eight years ago after the passing of my son. Uh, and we lost our son. Uh, we didn't really lose him. We know where he is. But our son died uh, at 26 years old uh, back eight years ago in 2013. And I went through a great, great, great depth of depression and sadness in my life. Uh, so much so, I didn't think I was coming back to ministry. I didn't think I was, I was just going to go crawl in a hole somewhere and be done with life. Um, but the Lord was gracious. Uh, along the way, I came back into the pulpit, but I was a super sad man in the pulpit. Like it was, con- I was it, there were some days I couldn't even, um, I would just come to my office, watch on TV, as soon as the last song was there, I'd walk behind the stage teach, go right behind the stage back to my, I'm not normally like that, but there were days where that's all I could do uh, for all of our services. And then about a year into it, I felt like the Lord was saying, Ed, everyone's sad in this church. It's almost like God was saying, you're making everybody sad, that everybody's grieving with you, and you need to release them. And you, you need to release them as the shepherd. And when, when I started processing that, what I ended up doing was teaching a series of six Bible studies. Back then, we, I think we called it Help for the Troubled Heart or something. But then we found out Greg Glory has a book by that title. So we had to change the title to it. But the idea was, let's look at what God has to say about pain and sorrow and suffering and the theology of sad, sadness and sorrow and get our eyes back on the Lord. And it was that series of Bible studies that really released our church to turn a corner and begin to heal together. Uh, And then my assistant, Cassandra, uh, she's such a great woman of God, she said, Ed, we've got to put this into a book, and I didn't want to put it into a book. I don't have time to to do that kind of stuff, but she was very persistent. So it's not like, I'm not like an author, I'm not sitting around writing, going away by myself to write. These are edited Bible studies for print form, that if you're going through it, uh, if you are, you know somebody that is, this is a resource for you. Uh, If you do end up getting it, just understand that all the resources, all the net profits of the books go all to our missionaries. So it's not for me, it's for the Lord. We make sure it all goes to the Lord. Uh, And so this, all these net proceeds go to missions. And of course, if you can't afford it, just take it. It's okay. We want to give the things out. Uh, And so this resource, and I want to give this to you because I know that we share something in common. You're welcome. And so I just wanted to be sure that you guys knew that. Um, I used to be uh, embarrassed doing this, but then, you know, I'd be standing in the pulpit promoting or, or encouraging a, somebody to get a Skip Heitzig book, get a Greg Glory book. And here's the thing. If you believe in the resource, then make sure people know about it. And just tell them. And if and the Lord would use you that way um, and use me that way, I appreciate the opportunity. So today, I want to talk to you about the goodness of God. And how faithful he is to us and how much he loves us and cares for us so let's pray and you guys watching online as well we just want to welcome you Uh, i don't want you to feel bad if you're still kind of concerned about being with crowds or you're concerned about getting sick it's perfectly okay that you join us by technology the lord is with you and we praise god that we have technology today that we can do this and we can be together in person, we can be together online, and I know people are watching, perhaps even my wife uh, in Colorado. Hi, honey, in case you're watching, we love you, we miss you, and it's just like you're with us. Oh, I got turned off, you good? Is that my sign to be done? It's like (laughs) Father, we're grateful to be together, near and far, even the visitors here from around the world, that you have an appointment with us today. Uh, it's your desire that we're here and that we're together and that our hearts and t- are turned toward your goodness and your great love today. I pray, God, for all that's happening in this room, all the feelings, emotions, all the cares and concerns, simply acknowledging to you that things are outside of our control, but even though they're outside of our control, We yielded our life to you, the great sovereign king, who we await to return in any moment. Until then, we choose to rest in you, and we choose, God, to trust you. We choose that you would have your way with us by faith, and that today, God, you would speak to us and minister to us and fill us afresh with your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your Bibles, please, and open them to the book of Nahum. Nahum, so if you have a hard time finding it, it's okay to use the table of contents. But I also remember Nahum, I always remember it, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, those four always go together. So if you're somewhere, Jonah, if you find Jonah, Micah, Habakkuk, you are in the right place. And I just got this new Bible, and you know what I found out? They moved everything. Everything's all in a different place, and so sometimes it takes time to find it. But I want you to find this. I want you to mark it in your Bibles. If you're using a phone or an iPad, make sure you highlight this. Make sure you bookmark it. Don't forget this truth. It's in Nahum chapter 1, there in verse 7. A very simple message for us today, and yet very powerful. Listen to what the Bible says. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knows those who trust in Him. So it is in the good times and in the bad, in the happy times and the sad, in the easier times and the harder times, and especially, listen, especially in times of which we're living right now, we must understand and be reminded of and lean into this simple truth. We know that the Lord is good. We know that. That's a knowledge both by in our minds, but also by experience. We know that the Lord is good. In First Chronicles, jotted down in chapter 16, verse 34. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. This is a theme throughout the Bible, the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Now, of course, it's easy to praise God when things are going well. That's an easy time. Of course, when things are going the way that we want, the way that we planned, The the way that we thought things would go, the way that we wanted them. Oh, praise the Lord. He's so good to me. It's become this byword even. You know, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. God is good. You know, this isn't a Calvary Chapel thing, but I picked it up somewhere along the way. I bet you know it, though. I bet you know it. We do it at Easter uh, in our church most of the time where I'll stand up as a pastor and we got all these visitors. God is good. And You know what they say? God is good. And all the time. I don't know where you picked it up, maybe from the same place. And and I brought that in, and I'm like, yes, God is good. And so there are, yes, God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. Except if you're carefully watching the fellowship, you'll see people that don't participate. They might be sitting next to you. They might be sitting behind you. They may be in front of you. And surrounded with people screaming and yelling, God is good. We make a big deal about it, you know, because there's so many new folks there. We want them encouraged. But there are always those among us that aren't participating. I mean, of course, God is good when you get a raise, when your family's healthy, when winter ends. You know, that's something I learned in Colorado. Not so much here or in, uh, in Southern Cal, but in Colorado. Did you guys know this? I bet you didn't even know this. There are actually four seasons four very distinct seasons and one of them is called winter and when winter gets very cold and this white stuff falls and it's not ash it's actually snow and I'm not a big fan of winter cold snow driving in ice not fun for me so when winter ends praise the Lord how about this one this one I'm sure all of you participated in. You know, when you get a raise, when things are good, when winter ends. How about this? When the Dodgers win the World Series. Praise the Lord. Yes. I actually had a, a, a church boo me for that not too long ago. That's not allowed. We just won a World Series last year. Praise the Lord indeed. You bet. We're going to win another one this year. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, it says, The Lord passed before him, and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and listen, abounding in goodness and truth. And together we praise the Lord. But there are those times when it's very difficult to cooperate and even announce that God is good because my circumstances can change so fast. Things can become so difficult that I simply don't believe that God is good any longer. And when I don't believe it, I don't wanna say it. And when I don't believe it and I don't wanna say it, I also don't wanna hear it. Which is where the difficulty comes, is it not when someone comes with encouragement or counsel in a very difficult time. Listen, if God has called you into a situation where someone's really going through it with great pain, you just gotta enter in very carefully and very prayerfully, and not be personally offended if in your best effort you try to bring encouragement into someone's life, but they're not having it, and they're not ready for it, and and they're just overwhelmed by their circumstances. Maybe today that's you. Overwhelmed, that's the word. I'm sorry. Life can be really, really hard and challenging and difficult on a personal level, on a macro level, on a micro level. These are real feelings. You begin to doubt the goodness of God. You begin to doubt His faithfulness in your life. It doesn't make you a bad Christian for you to go through feelings like that. It doesn't make you a a horrible person. Oh, it's all my fault. I should be believing God and I should be trusting God. I, I know that under the layers of hurt and pain is faith and belief, for sure. It's just not manifesting right now because you're having to deal with it's like you know we, we give so much attention. Like, like for example, if uh, somebody is here, I think I saw someone in a sling. Who's in the sling here? What's wrong with your arm? You had shoulder shoulder surgery, so nobody goes up and go, dude, take your hand, take your arm out of that sling. How you doing, buddy? Nobody, no, everybody's cautious and careful, and now everybody's looking at him. Everybody, look. What's your name? What is it? Jeff, Jeff had shoulder surgery. And to that we say, oh. I'm sorry, they fixed it, but it's painful, right? Had to get more pain in order to fix the pain. But no one, no one is walking around questioning him for being in a sling. No one's telling him, you know what, get out of that sling right now. No, we're all cautious and careful, recognizing that what? There's a time of healing going on in his body. It's necessary. You know, emotions, even mental illnesses need time for healing. We need to give space to the reality of hurt and pain in someone's life. Even the reality today that your hurt and pain may be so overwhelming that you begin to doubt the goodness of God. You know, there's a lot of different testimonies of how people go through pain, but I can tell you for one, my own personal testimony, I have doubted the goodness of God. I have, in my own life, wondered about the faithfulness of God. I had, like the psalmist did so many times, cried out to God about the circumstances of my life. I even went through a season where I started thinking, you know what, God? And I started rehearsing my life before God. Well, you know what, God? I did this, and I did this for you, and I did this for you. And I actually told God, I actually said in my prayers, I said, is this how you treat your son? And God, very patient as a dad would be, I didn't get struck down with lightning, praise God for that. It didn't even get close to me. God was just very patient. In Psalm 103, it speaks of God, you know, it, unfortunately the New King James has a real difficult translation. It says like a, like a dad pities his kids. You know, the word pity doesn't really have the significance of what the word in the Hebrew really means. It, it speaks of, in the New Living, I think they did a better job, where it speaks of God's compassion. Like a dad has compassion on his weak children. You think of you treat, teaching your kids how to ride a bike, uh, or, in my case, teaching my kids all how to drive the car. That's a different Bible study altogether. I just don't have the patience for it, but I remember with the, the kids learning how to ride bikes. So we've raised all our kids into adulthood, uh, and they all love the Lord, and we're very gracious for that. Just God changed our life in an instant. But I remember as the kids, we would push them along and let go what would happen after a couple of pedals, they'd fall. I I didn't walk up to them and kick them and go, what is your problem? How come you don't understand how to ride a bike? You're never going to amount to anything and just walk away from them. No, what would we do? Comfort them, encourage them, get them back on the bike, run with them a little bit longer, get them back on the bike, run with them a little longer, get them back on the bike. And then all of a sudden as you're running and they're taking off, and then boom, they took off. And you're like, come back, come back, come back. Let's consider the three things that Nahum says today, as God might be comforting and encouraging you today. Three very simple things. And you've got to understand, Nahum, he's prophesying in a time of great judgment upon Assyria. This is the message of God. There's much to be said about studying the prophets and feeling like a prophet these days. Okay, so I want you to prophesy to a nation being judged of the goodness of God. That's what's happening with Assyria. What's happening with Assyria is, look, the judgment of God is fixed. It's coming, and you deserve it. That's what Nahum, Nahum's in the midst of that. This this is the reality. Judgment is coming, and you deserve it. But along the way, in his own heart of hearts, because of his relationship with God, this is even before the new covenant, he's overwhelmed by, in the midst of judgment, the goodness of God. And there's just three points today. Number one, the Lord is good. Say with me. The Lord is good. Look at your neighbor and tell them, the Lord is good. Say it out loud. Just say it. Tell somebody. The Lord is good. Turn around and do it to the other person. The Lord is good. Period. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. This is the spiritual battle ongoing in your life right now. This is the battle for your daily spiritual, mental, and emotional health is right here. Do I believe that God is good? And there are so many things thrown at you to not believe that God is good. It's important that you have this as a basic fact of your relationship with God, that you just know that God is good. Why? Because in our spiritual battle with the world system, the cultural pressures around us, In the battle that's going on with our own flesh, our own carnality. If you ever think of flesh, don't think of flesh as like the flesh and bones. Uh, Here's a phrase to remember when you hear the word flesh in the Bible in a spiritual definition. I want you to think of it this way. The flesh represents this, and I quote, your old sinful habits, end quote. Your natural proclivities apart from the spirit of God. For example, if you want to know where your flesh is today... You want to test your flesh. Simply go home, take out a hammer, put your thumb on a piece of wood and slam your thumb. Your first reaction is your flesh. Now some of you might be dropping an F-bomb. Why, because that's in you. It didn't go away, that's your flesh. In the past, when you were angry and hurt, you started cussing people out. It's still in you, your flesh, it's a battle. For some of you, you're just going to like, oh, I can't believe I did this. What an idiot I am. Why did I listen to Ed? For some of you, you beat yourself up. That's your natural proclivity. Instead of trusting God, you blame yourself for everything. That's why manipulation, why you're vulnerable to manipulation. Because you just have that sensitivity to blaming yourself for other people's bad decisions. And whatever that response is, I mean, you don't need to hit your thumb. Just drive. Just drive here. Have you guys driven here? Like I, I grew up in Southern Cal and I drove there. Colorado, they have their own deal. But here, it's wild here. It took me, a, we were here, we've been here for a week. My wife was here, she's gone back now, but she was, we were here early and, and uh, we were able to rent a car. And for the first couple of days, I'm just all tense. She could say, I'm just tense. I'm just tense. And then I remembered, like in, when we were ministering in New York, in Manhattan, when you're walking, that's how it is driving here. People are pushing you and moving, and they're just on. And somebody told me in Manhattan, and so I did it here too, hey, if you really want to get through and walk through, just walk like everyone else pick up your pace, don't look at anyone, just keep, they won't be offended if you bump them, just keep going. So here, like I just started driving like everyone else is. so don't be mad at me for participating in the way that you drive here. Did, have you guys driven here? Like it's scary. And I was getting mad at people. That's my flesh. Like I own the road. I don't own the road. But the people here, you, you know who the people here that drive? You. You. It's okay. I forgive you. The world, the flesh, the devil. Do you know the world and the, the, the devil get blamed for a lot of things that are actually just you? Your biggest problem in life is not the culture, and it's not the devil. Your biggest problem is you. The biggest issue I have in life is myself. And the battle, as my brother says, of a disciplined mind. The key to progress in your walk with the Lord is a disciplined mind. And you're like, oh, Ed, you're just making that up. No, the Bible says he will keep him in perfect peace. What? Whose mind is stayed. There's a discipline to focus. Not on what the news reports say, not on what a website says, not on some YouTube video. Keep your mind stayed upon the Lord if you want peace. You don't want peace, get involved in everything else. Receive everything else. You want to walk around all nervous and mad and upset like the drivers here? You want that? You know, it was great to drive up here on Sunday. Nobody was on the road, but even so... Nobody was on the road except the guy behind me that wanted to change my radio. He was so close, I felt like his arm was going to come in and change my radio. I, I don't even know where he came from. out of the. I don't know where he came from. But if that was an experience, if that was a, an illustration, that guy behind me today just wasn't caring about me and my daughter driving to church. He was more interested in himself. I wasn't going fast enough for him. I didn't make the turn right. Whatever it was. A lot of believers are living life like that. You don't care about other people. And so you're making your decisions and you're doing things because you're not showing and we're not showing preference. Caring and loving because of what God has done for us. Since the Garden of Eden, this has been a battle. The doubting of the faithfulness of God. Remember the very first temptation that came on the planet Earth was a question to doubt God. You know, we're in interesting times right now, are we not? Amen? Anybody want to amen that? Uh, We're using words that are almost getting worn out, like pandemic and unprecedented and all that. They're all getting worn out. But in my lifetime, my lifetime, this is the greatest significant era in my lifetime. Certainly the greatest significant era in my pastoral ministry. We're we're living in interesting times, absolutely. And in interesting times, we need to stay very focused on what God has called us to do. It's very important. There, There is no other opportunity. Yeah, but Ed, you don't understand such and such and so and so. Yeah, but God is good. Trust him. Yeah, but you don't understand this and, hey, God is good. Trust him. Don't fear man. Jesus taught us this. This would be a great time if you haven't recently. And and I've been encouraging our church to do this. So this isn't something I just brought to you today. I've been encouraging our church. Take a fast. Take a fast from social media and all news outlets. The ones you don't agree with and especially the ones you do agree with. Take a fast and seek the Lord. Just see the world the way the Lord does. Begin to pray for your neighbor and find out what's happening in your neighbor's house. Is that neighbor that's screaming and yelling, is there abuse going on in the house right next to you? Is there a kid that's a prodigal across the street? Is there heroin on your street? Is the homeless person that you pass at that corner all the time, are they needing attention rather than just looking at them and going, oh, look at the homeless problem? God actually has encouraged us to see problems and to meet them with the gospel. That's what he said. So if you're good at seeing problems, then you are right there with the gospel. You are right there. How you see problems and what you do with them will reflect either the goodness of God or will reflect you. I'm not ashamed to share this with you at all. I I have taken a fast of social media. I was on vacation earlier this year. I was over on Maui with my friend, Pastor Sean Hausman, serving there and teaching there and and just enjoying the ministry. And and when I'm on vacation, I, I just unplug. Nobody get a hold of me, I'm unplugged. And I felt like the Lord was saying, Ed, you need to stay unplugged for the month of June. Just stay unplugged. Now, understand, this happened to me years ago with Facebook. I couldn't handle Facebook personally. I, Ed Taylor could not handle Facebook. I couldn't handle what it was doing to me. I couldn't handle the fear mongering that was coming. I couldn't handle all the things that people were critical of this and critical of this and critical of this. I, I, I am already a critical person. I don't need that fed in my life. Now, of course, I call critical at times to make it easier for me. I say, oh, you know, my critical is, a, I just like attention to detail. No, you're a critical person. And just allow the Holy Spirit to shave that off. And so I've been off Facebook now for, I don't know, three or four years. And let me just say, I don't miss it. <laughs> I don't miss it at all. It's like, Well, Ed, you don't understand. You're missing. No, I don't even know what they're writing anymore. Well, they said this about you. I don't even want to know. Because anybody that wants to pay, post on Facebook about Ed Taylor can call me. You want to talk to me? Call me. What are you posting online for? What's that going to do? Call me, show up. You know where I'm at every Saturday night at 6 p.m. Actually, not this weekend, but Saturday night, 6 p.m. Sunday morning, 8.45, 10.45. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I'm always there in person. Do what the Bible says. According to Matthew 18, go to the person, you and him alone. Share your grievance with them. If they hear you, you've won your brother. And that's the missing piece, friends. Nobody wants to win their brothers. They want to destroy their brothers. And that's not from the Lord. And so as you take a, I, so back in June, I took a, I was off a Twitter and Instagram. That's what I was using. And, and now I was off in June, June passed. And I thought, man, I'm waiting for June 30th to come. And then I know, July. and you know what? July came and went and I didn't go back on. And what month are we in now? We're almost done with August and I'm still not back on. And you go, some of you go, wait a minute, Ed. I see you on Facebook and Twitter all the time. You're posting scripture and everything all the time. I found a program that will do that for me. And it pre-schedules stuff. And it sends stuff out. So yeah, you know, I'm going to use that technology for the sake of the gospel. But personally, I can't handle it. And I wonder how many of you can't handle it. But refuse to take a healthy approach to your spiritual life. I mean, you think about this for a second. When's the last time, you don't need to raise hands or anything, but I just think the Lord sent me here 3,000 plus miles for you personally, maybe one. It's a word from the Lord. You've got to think, the last time Facebook so infuriated you, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You you think of the last time Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or TikTok, whatever it is that you're using, you think of the last time that it, it got you so afraid, Well, the fear of man is a snare, the Bible says. And as you match how you take in with the response, the Holy Spirit will lead you on what to do. Maybe you can handle it, and I commend you for that. A lot of people can. It was the same thing with me in my party days. I was one of those guys that couldn't handle my alcohol, and it would always end up in jail. I had a lot of friends that could handle it. I couldn't handle it. And I needed to come to the place where I acknowledge it's just me and the Lord. It's just me and the Lord. And if my life can help you at all, because I can't, I I have a hard enough time understanding and believing the goodness of God with my own daily battles, my own daily ministry. When When I show up at the ICU and visiting a person in their last moments because of COVID, I hear people say with COVID, well, you know, these deaths and those deaths, how many deaths is enough for you to care about a person? I'm not asking you, I don't know the answer to the bigger picture, but praise God, I'm not God. I don't need to worry about that. But if I get a phone call to go to the hospital, well, but Ed, they said you can't visit. God will make a way where there's no way. Uh, That happened to me recently. That happened to me recently with a a brother in our church had been with part of our church for 20 years and I got a call from his son says you need to come visit my dad he's in the last moments of his life but they won't let you in and I said that's okay he's on the first floor we'll, I'll climb in the window it's alright I'll climb in the window and you know it was illegal that was a new that was a new thing that the that, that was in Colorado you couldn't visit in there but, but I answered to a higher calling. But I didn't go there to pick a fight. If they don't let me in the front door, there's always a window. And I'm not gonna stand outside the window. God has called me to lay hands on a brother. I'm gonna lay hands on a brother. And you know what, I didn't, I didn't climb in the window. Because I went to the door and I met the brother that worked there. Just a guy like you and me. And I said, hey man, I know you got a job, I got a job, but look, I love God. And he said, oh, oh I love God too, come on in. And he let me right in. I walked in, laid hands on the brother, ministered to that family. He passed away within the week, and I just did his memorial. Church, please, get back to the goodness of God. I beg you, come back to the goodness of God. Don't buy the lie. That God is not faithful, or God is not good, or God is absent, or he is all of a sudden no longer sovereign and in control. But at the same time, we don't need to pick a fight. We are a part of another world. Did you know that? We are a part of another world, walking in this world. And I was reminded this week at the conference, I just the Lord reminded me of this. Jesus prayed for you. Do you know what he said? He prayed for us. And he said, Father, I don't ask that you take them out of the world. No, Lord, take us out now. No, I don't. I ask you to keep them from the evil one. There's a purpose and a plan for us on the earth today. And one of it is like Nahum. In the midst of difficulty, hey, you know what? The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Are you guys still with me? Stay with me because God has a word for us. Stay with me. There are times when I forget. And there's a lot of reasons why I forget. I can be so caught up in the pain and in the fear, in the anxieties, overwhelming worries, that I'll start to challenge God in goodness myself. That happened to me recently. It just, man, I just got so scared by what somebody said. It was so compelling. And I got, I got, I got my eyes off of what the Lord has already shown me to be true, but I was easily scared, and I was easily moved. I don't know. Maybe some of you can share. I wish I was stronger than I was, than I am. I wish I really was, and there's parts of me even before my son passed away that I wish I was like that, but you know, God wants me. He wants you to be in a position of humility and brokenness. Do you know that God is attracted to weakness? (laughs) We're not, but God is, God is attracted to weakness. One of the things, when, when I bring somebody on our, onto our team, like our, our school, we have a Christian school in our church, and we, we just had a real strong influx of, of um, what do you call it? Admissions or enrollments, that's the word. So I just, we just hired nine people to fill nine openings that didn't exist before. Imagine that. Unbelievable. 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 And in those, in those nine hires, I have the same sets of questions that I ask. The, the same sets of questions that I go through and I, I help them process that what is it that they are wanting to accomplish? What is God's call upon their life? What, what is God doing in their life? And as I walk them through one after another, after another, after another, I ask them, Do you trust God with your life? Because I don't know the direction that this church is going to take and I don't know what decisions I'm going to have to make. I, I don't know. I'm not there yet. I don't know. I don't live. You know, Jesus told us not to live. Jesus taught us not to live in the realm of hypothetical situations. Did you know that? Like we make things up in our head to scare us today of something that didn't even happen yet. Jesus said, don't worry about what does the Bible say? Don't worry about tomorrow. I wonder how many are captivated by tomorrow, and it hasn't even come yet. And while you're worrying about tomorrow, you lose today. And then you know what happens tomorrow? You worry about tomorrow. And you worry about tomorrow. And you become a person that's caught up. And, and you know, we, we have to remember the big picture Even as I was asking each person, do you have, what is your calling in life and what has God called you to do? Because you are entering into a battlefield for the souls of those little kids. It's a battle. And how the Lord wants to lead us. Number one, the Lord is good. Number two, notice with me back in Nahum. He is also, number two, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Now this is an important truth. Nahum tells us that God is a stronghold in the day of trouble. So so here's an important principle. Just because you and I have a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean we are going to be immune to the difficulties of life. In many ways, we're going to face difficulties at a much greater level than when we were, because now we have an added barrier. Remember what Jesus also taught us? Jesus taught us that if they hated me, they will what? Hate you. It is a fruitless endeavor. Seeking the approval of man. It it will never happen. There will never be an agreement between this world and the church. Never. It was like that in the 50s. It was like that in 1800. It was like that in 300. It was like that on the day of Pentecost. The world is at odds with the church of Jesus Christ. But while the world is all worried about the church, you know what the church is worried about? The souls of men. And while they're all caught up in making their decisions, it gives us cover. (laughs) It's so good. It gives us cover to reach people that are hurting. But you have to do it from a place of strength so that when you're hurting and challenged, you need to come back to the stronghold. The stronghold. Trials are going to hit us all. Trials are experienced by believers and unbelievers alike. Trials are going to hit us all. In Psalm 34, verse 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I think of what Paul told young Timothy. Anyone that desires to live a godly life will what? Suffer persecution. So that's not even in the realm of doing good yet. Just desiring it is going to bring about animosity toward us. And it's our response to animosity that will either further the gospel or hinder the gospel. There's not a third option. Our response to adversity will either further the gospel or hinder the gospel, but there isn't a third option. In Psalm 20 verse 1, it says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Our pastor, you know, North Shore is part of the Calvary Chapel family, and our pastor Chuck Smith used to teach us something. He's gone home to be with the Lord now, but his voice still speaks loudly. And he used to teach us. He used to say, you know what? When things are difficult, you can choose to defend yourself with your own resources and your own power and your own words. And God will allow you to defend yourself. He will allow you to do that. And it's almost like Pastor Chuck would say, good luck with that. He'll allow you to defend yourself. Or you can run to the strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are what? Safe. You can choose to defend yourself or you can choose to allow God to defend you because he's a stronghold in times of trouble. Proverbs 18.10 is the verse I just mentioned. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So let me ask you this. Where are you running in times of trouble? Where have you been running in times of trouble? It's only the Lord that's a stronghold. Only the Lord. Only his faithfulness. It's not even my interpretation of God. It's not my teachings of God. It's not this Bible study that will be a place of stronghold for you. You know where the place of stronghold is abiding in Christ. It's not you just, well, Ed, I I agree with everything you said, so that's going to bring me peace. No, only God brings peace. You've got to learn to train yourself to run to the Lord, not to man. Man is not your hope. Not even if you were trusting in Chuck Smith. If you were trusting in Chuck Smith, the Lord took him home. Now what? I don't know what to do. Well, I know what to do. I don't trust in man. I trust in the Lord. I enjoy men. I enjoy being around men and women. I enjoy pastors. I enjoy Bible study. I I mentioned earlier, I enjoy serving alongside my pastor. But God's going to call him home too. And I'll be right behind him. And many of you will be right behind me. Or better yet, the Lord will return and the trumpet will sound and we will be caught up together to be with him in the air, to forever be with him. I'll take that too. But until then, I need to go to that place of safety, security, and peace. And I I can say on the other end, there have been so many times in my days of trouble where the only comfort I really had was the name of the Lord. It reminded me of a song as I was putting this message together, it's an old song. It was even older than when I was a new believer. But as I read the lyrics, listen. Listen to this. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance of the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim that kings and kingdoms will pass away. But there is something About that name. How many of you sang that song while I was reading it? Isn't that such a great song? Kings and kingdoms will pass away, but there's something about that name. Not only that, but finally, as we head out, not only is the Lord good, and not only is he a stronghold in the day of trouble, but also finally, he knows those who trust in him. Now, this is one of those verses you could read two different ways. If you have a more sensitive spirit and you kind of wrestle with things, you could read that going, oh, he knows I don't trust in him. God's after me now. I I, am just, man, look at what a mess I am. And and God knows. No, I, I don't really think that's the context at all. I really think that what Nahum is saying is he's like, for those that know that the Lord is good or wrestle with it, for those that run to him as a stronghold or don't, he knows you. He knows you. He loves you. God knows when you're trusting in him, and he knows when you're not. He understands your weaknesses. He understands your frailties, your fears, your anxieties. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul, the psalmist said in Psalm 94. Isn't that great? In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. And in the middle of great trial, in times of grief and sorrow and much uncertainty, fear and anxiety are normal responses. You're not out of your mind for feeling those things. You're not a bad person, not a bad Christian, because you're tempted to believe that God is not good. He knows when you're trusting and he knows when you're not. Nothing's wasted in your life. You know, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says that we know that all things work together for the good. For those that love God and those that are called according to His purpose. We know that there's a master plan that God is working out. Nothing is wasted by God. And it's important to read Romans 8.28. Not some things are being worked together. Or not most things. But truly recognize that all things are under the purview of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And God knows who trusts in Him. And He promises to sustain those who look to Him. It says the Lord will redeem those who serve him no one ta- who takes refuge in him will be condemned Psalm 34:22 so why is it so hard to trust in God then we know that he's good we know that he's a refuge and we know that he has intimate knowledge of us why then is it so hard to trust in the Lord it's easy to give the advice especially in good times it's easy to give the advice we're willing to trust God in our timing, and our ways of solving things. We seem to trust God to a point, but then we jump in to try to fix things when that point continues on. You go, you know what? I'm just gonna fix this. I'm gonna take care of this. I'm gonna maybe take things into my own hands like David did. But I'll tell you the biggest battle is the devil knows that the only real peace you will ever have is when you put your trust in the Lord. The devil knows that complete trust in God is the place of absolute strength for the believer. He knows that. And so subtly, little by little, he takes away that trust that we have in the Lord. He takes away that sense of commitment that we have in the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I want to sing a special song before we leave. This song has become an anthem. This song has become an anthem in our own life. It seems like every few years God gives us a song and it becomes the anthem. And it's a song by, that was written by Jen Johnson and her husband. It's called The Goodness of God. I think you guys sing this here, The Goodness of God. I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song. And we're going to end by proclaiming the goodness of God. The song goes like this, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. For all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Because all my life, you've been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. And in the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. (laughs) That's a good song that God has gifted these men and women to put to music a reminder of His faithfulness. So let's stand together, would you? I want to sing this together. I want this to be the anthem, maybe even just today, perhaps for the rest of your life, that you be reminded of the goodness of God. Life can be hard and life can be bad, but God is faithful and good. He will get you through this. You will make it through. You will get to the other side you will see God's blessing and will accomplished in your life. Even if we make it limping, you know, I I like to describe like Jacob, you know, Jacob went into heaven limping. And I think so many of us, the longer we live, we get so beat up and wounded in life that we're just going to be limping along. But even limping along, you're going to make it. You're going to make it into the presence of God. You're going to stand there. And I hope one day to hear these words. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. And you get that invitation today. May the Lord declare upon you in those areas where it's true, well done, good and faithful fellowship. Enter in for these moments into the joy of the Lord. And listen, I recognize that even in a time like this, you will hear a message like this and feel great conviction. You'll feel great conviction because of behaviors and attitudes and words and posts. and So allow the Holy Spirit to lift the burden. Repent of your sin. Come clean. The way you've been living and the way you've been acting is not representative of the love of God and His faithfulness and His goodness. Just come clean. That's it. Just come clean. Leave here with a sense of purpose for what God wants to accomplish in your life. And we'll be here to pray with you afterwards. But allow this song to minister to you. Allow it to speak to you and encourage you in all of his goodness. Thank you guys so much for the privilege of being here. The Lord bless you and encourage you.